Days five hot takes. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so excited about this episode. I'm excited about all the episodes. I'm just a generally, generally excitable guy. I always like the whip horse sound. It makes it feel Western cowboy like, which is the opposite of my life. Um, this week's guest is a dear friend of mine, Ben Rector. Ben is not only a really good friend, but he's kind of like a little brother. We've we've spent a lot of time together, played shows together, written songs together. Um, we've had a bunch of tickets to kick it. You know what I'm saying? We're just good buds. Fun fact, which we talk about on Dadville, because Ben was on Dadville with John and I, or will be. I don't know when this is going to be released, but... Um, but we talk about this in Dadville, and I don't know if we talk about it in this episode, but I, I think we do. Um, we have lived on the same, two different streets. So Ben moved to Nashville, actually stayed with Annie and I when he was looking for houses and visiting the first time. Chose to live on this one street, we immediately moved on the same street. He moved from that street on another street, we moved on to that same street. So we've lived <laughs> together on the same street two different times, two different streets. That's I don't know if I could have said that more confusingly, but uh, if I could have, I'm sure I could find a way. Um, but he's just a really dear friend. It's so uh, fun to know him and, and, you know, really watch his sort of ascendancy, his his rocket to the moon of a career. It's not even been like, oh, it's fun watching his star rise. It's been like, you know, a, a spaceship just careening into the atmosphere. Um, and he's we talk about this. It's, it's a really unique uh, career he's had because I don't know a lot of other friends that have so aggressively and quickly uh, risen through the ranks of venues and album sales and songs that have just sort of become like anthems, I feel like, um, as much as watching Ben's career and, and, and seeing how much people love what he does. He's got such a unique thing he does, and it's, and it's so fun to see how many people love it. Um, and he's just a mutant of talent. He really is. One of my favorite things about Ben is he's like the great bait-and-switch. I think of all of my friends, he is the most unassuming-looking talented musician and we we laugh about that um a lot and how i mean i feel like that but i think ben would would really argue he he should take the trophy because he's always rocking like all birds and his j crew shorts and some like you know collared shirt and if you didn't know better you'd you'd think he did anything but music but then he sits down and plays and sings or plays you a song of his and you're like wait what <laughs> it's like the greatest one two um one two magic punch of all time i don't know what that phrase meant but um but it, it's it's really amazing how unassuming he is and then he He's just this, you know, mutant of talent, mutant of talent. But uh, I, d- I love this dude dearly. He's he's a uh, I'm really thankful that he's a friend of mine and he's always so inspiring. I think, you know, uh, he just doesn't really put out bad music, which is a, a real, real, real um, compliment. You know, I think it's hard not to every now and then sort of have a song. And think, eh. But Ben's just so consistent. He's such an incredible, incredible uh, songwriter and singer and artist and visionary. And, you know, he's he's kind of the complete package. But I love this dude. Um, you'll hear um, how much I love him and my joy in talking to him. And just, you know, the years we've known each other, it's, it's fun to sit down and, and talk about this because, um, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a friend and a fan. I'm a friend. But uh, without any further ado, you guys enjoy this fun, fun, fun interview with Ben Rector. <laughs> Oh, I got the giggles. So, um, welcome to Dave's Five Hot Takes um, with one of my homies, one of my ride or dies here. It's been, uh, I've been so excited to get you on this, Mr. Ben Rector, who, um, you know, this is a little bit of cheating for a lot of reasons, um, this this episode, because one, we've had Ben on Dadville, John and I, and so we got some really good intel there that I get to use. Uh, 
Um, and then two, just knowing you for feels like forever, a long time, legitimately, a legit, a legit, not Nashville, long time, but like no, a yeah. long time. <laughs> we were talking about with John on Dadville. It ha- it's it's fifteen plus years is where we landed, right? I think so. Um, I would have met you in maybe like two thousand seven, yeah, six. That so feels very right close. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the things to brag on you, there's a lot of things I could brag on you about, but I'm going to, I'm going to choose this to start. I think, um, you know, one of the things, and you know, this so well, one of the things so fun about the road, especially like in sort of like those days for me was, you know, I was playing a ton of colleges and there was always, um, somebody was like, Hey, like there's a guy here that plays, there's a girl here that plays. And, and I kind of, I, I love that for the most part. I'm always really excited to meet younger people who, you know, they're playing. <laughs> and, you know, you have some that that you're kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, but man, I, I've, I mean, the list of, of people that I've become friends with or been inspired by um, is pretty substantial. You know what I mean? Like meeting people because you just, I'm always blown away by somebody you know, that gets up and starts singing. You're like, Oh my gosh, who's this guy or whatever. But I remember, um, that was definitely the case. We talked about this again before, but that was so funny. Cause I remember doing the show, um, you know, we were at that amphitheater at Arkansas and I remember you playing and it was such a succinct feeling of like, dad coming, like just another guy who's really good at this. And I remember you were crazy young. Were you 19 or something? Pro- yeah, I probably was. Um, and just being so, so it's the devil, it's the inspired and intimidated thing. Um, and being really glad I was older than you because it was like, that's one less person I had to kill. But two, um, <laughs> and we talked about your drummer, Wally, that was so great that I remember being so like um, uh, amazed by that. But one of the things that I think is so funny about you, and we'll, we can kind of circle back to this later if we want, but you've done this, you know, you're, you're kind of a, a cheat code because I think a lot of people tend to get out of school and they moved to Nashville and that's kind of when they really begin the career. It's like, yep. here's my move. One thing I've always thought was so amazing about your career is you started really kind of your freshman year of college, like, which is pretty, so your timeline doesn't actually work like a lot of people's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think I, I, I thought I was under the assumption that I was going to, and so I, you know, you were the person that encouraged me to move to Nashville and I wasn't really going to do it outside of that. Um, but basically when I was in college, I started playing and I was, you know, so excited that things were catching on at all, but I was working really hard to kind of develop like a fan base and play in different places. Uh, and towards the end of college, it started to be like, this is a real thing. Like people who, you know, I don't know are coming to these shows in all these places. And <laughs> which was, can we just follow? That really is the marker, isn't it? Totally. <laughs> I, I remember like at first, like when I'd show it with first time I play a show in like Stillwater, Oklahoma, it was like a lot of people I knew and some of their friends. And then as I kept doing it, it was just like less and less people I knew. And then it got to a point to where it was like, I don't know any of you. And there's a lot of you here, which is crazy. Like I'm, I'm working hard to pick out familiar faces. And I can't. So I, I thought that, when it was time, you know, when I was graduating and it was like, okay, we're going to move to Nashville. I thought I was going to get there and be like behind. It was going to be like, every person here has just got, you know, all this stuff going. And I quickly 
realized that it was actually very rare for somebody to have kind of a ball rolling. And so that was, you know, probably more due to my mom, I think would have like actually murdered me in real life if I had dropped out of college. And in hindsight also, I don't, I don't think I was like this wise, but I think it was really, really helpful for me to have those kind of years to like incubate almost where like I was doing it, like I was making records and I was playing shows, but I didn't have to do it all the time. And so I got some cool opportunities, but nothing that was just like John Mayer's taking on the world tour. But by the time I was, you know, I think I played like 200 shows in college. And so by the time I was, I know it was so many, dude, I was gone all the time. Uh, But by the time I moved to Nashville, I was still green, but I wasn't that green. So like when I went on tour with like you or Wurtz or whoever, I I was still figuring it out, but I was figuring it out less than someone who maybe had, you know, moved to Nashville and hadn't, you know, was talented, but hadn't done it a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think that ended up being incredibly helpful for me. Um, And I, I can't claim that I was like, "Ah, I need more time. Like, in the minor leagues before I really go do that. I wasn't really like that. I was just, I was working as hard as I could with what was in front of me, but it was also fortunate that by the time I got into a place of really doing it full time, it was not, as they say, my first rodeo. And it was my first rodeo for a lot of things. Like I was figuring new things out, but I wasn't figuring out like, oh, I've never been on stage before. How do I do this? Or I've never been in the studio before, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like, um, <clears throat> you said that, well, I love that word incubation. Do you feel like being at Arkansas, other, like rather than being at a Belmont or a Berkeley was, was better for you? I, I really do. Um, and I think that, I mean that you could, we could do a whole podcast episode on that. Um, I vividly remember there was a, a kid at Belmont who I was like, oh, this guy's talented. And he had maybe a CD release show in Nashville that I went to. And the band that opened was like a, it was almost like snarky puppy, like talented players kind of, what would you, is that jazz? It's like not jazz, jazz, but whatever. Yeah, it's like jazz or player something. music, yeah, like yeah, Berkeley yeah. music. Player music. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's at the small, it was a 12th and Porter, really small place that I probably doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, it's probably condos. And basically I'm at, I'm at the show and I'm watching this band open and it's, you know, full of Belmont students. And so they're playing this kind of Berkeley music, which I think is cool, but it's very specific. And the whole crowd knew when to cheer at really subtle like chord substitutions or whatever that a normal crowd would just be like, what am I doing here? And it was like, they were all in on the inside joke. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have not ever thought about this, that if you go to a super music school, you can't undo that. Like you, like the scoreboard that you learn is like, I know to cheer when the drummer like does a snare on an offbeat or like that a cool bass fill just happened and normal people don't know what a bass sounds like. They, they don't know what a bass fill is. They're just like, Oh, that guy looks like he's having a good time. And so <laughs> I think in some ways it was helpful for me formatively that I wasn't learning that scoreboard. I wasn't learning the scoreboard of like, yeah, cool song. But like, did you hear the, major uh ad nine augmented 
diminished seventh. Like, it's just like, you know, like that's, I don't think that would have been helpful for the type of music that I make. I don't know that it would have been helpful to be in an environment where I was learning anything other than try to make well-made music that, mm. that people enjoy. Mm. Um, because if you're into music, you're probably already having to dial some of the like muso stuff down a little bit. Because like when I started playing guitar, I like took guitar lessons and I sounded like a guy who played guitar and I had to start playing piano and be bad at it to write good songs. Cause everything else is like, check out every chord I know. And like, that just doesn't really matter. And it can matter, but like you need to, the most important thing is like the song part. Mm. So um, I think it was helpful for me in a formative sense, but I think it was also helpful for me in like, that I was doing music at Arkansas and in surrounding areas was kind of a unique thing. And so people were like, Oh, hello. Yes. So, yeah. Sorry. That's uh, Arkansas calling me. That's actually a, that's like an old fashioned telephone ring. <laughs> that we're really recording this in 1985. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think because they're, you know, at Belmont or at Berkeley or wherever, everybody is there to do that. And because of that, you know, I don't, I, don't, I imagine it would be very difficult to get something going in Nashville because it's like, congrats, like you and the guy who made the coffee this morning at the restaurant and the guy who's going to clean the dishes and the guy who's parking the cars are all doing this. So mm. like, welcome. And at, at Arkansas and kind of in other areas, it it did feel like people felt maybe more ownership of it. Mm. They were like excited to be like, this guy's from here. So um, I think on those two levels, I, I think it was really helpful for me to be in a place that wasn't um, super music centric. Um, and I think that'd be a different story if I wanted to be like a jazz musician or like uh, something that was more like that kind of like a pedigree thing. I think I would have needed to probably be somewhere like Berkeley or Belmont or wherever, but I think if you're making um, music that's any sort of accessible, I don't think it's a bad thing to to at least get something going in a place that people can feel ownership of it. You know what? I've never actually thought about this until you were talking about that because I, I, going to MTSU, which is um, I always call the poor man's Belmont. I, I loved it. I was glad to go there, but it did. There was not there was not a singer songwriter scene at all, and so. I think one of God's graces in my life is that I could sort of figure out how to do it without a crowd of people that knew how to do it around me. Sure. You know, and I think it's funny hearing you say that because I've actually never thought about it that way that, you know, I think the, the good thing about you and I and people that kind of um, get your career started uh, amongst sort of like just normal people, that's your crowd. And I think the trick of going to Belmont is your crowd is your peers who are a much more intelligent um, nuanced crowd. So you're not playing to the guy in the third row at the club. You're playing to your friend three doors down. Who's a piano major who's ripping, you know, so it can't, it's, you know, get, getting in there and playing a song that's got four chords that you feel great about and is singable may not be where for a crowd would be like, Oh my gosh, we love it. Can we go buy the song somewhere? And, that and guy I, may be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's right. cool. And I think the difficulty is like whatever bubble you're in, it's hard to know how much of a bubble you're in. And mm. I think like when I was at the Belmont release show, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I think these kids probably feel like, Oh yeah, this is music. And it's like, mm. no, like if, if we like lined up a thousand people, <laughs> 
it would be you and like one other person out of a thousand that listens this way. And I think that if you're, if again, if you're, if you're like, I want to make music for like jazz lovers only, then like probably you should do that. But if you're, if you're doing anything else, I think you have to be hyper aware of what's really going on. And I mm. think that's really difficult. So. Yeah. So, so, so rewinding, you know, I, you've heard me say this a few times now, one of the things that I think is so fun and fascinating about your story, um, you know, you, you grew up in Tulsa, um, which that's the Midwest, right? What do they call that? It's really, it's, it's tough. Uh, <laughs> people, a, a lot of people from Oklahoma, I thought this, I thought it was the South and it's not, it's like, it's like, cowboy southern almost and that's and I, that's that's which not is like how a, you described your music for years I remember. yeah totally uh no and it's it's not it's not i feel like cowboy southern is unfair it's not cowboys like actual cowboys but it's a it's like a more heartland south i think yes people that claim maybe like texas is part of the south or oklahoma have not been to like <laughs> you know rural Alabama or like Georgia, like that's, that to me is like deep South is the South. And then, uh, I think a lot of people would say most of America would say the Midwest is really like Ohio, like Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. stuff, Illinois. And so if you had to fit it into like a very general thing, it would probably be Midwestern, but I think really like that Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, kind of Iowa are like, it's like, I would call it like the heartland. heartland. Oh, I like that middle America. Yep. And, and those places culture to me is the most similar. It's like, yeah, it's not South like Alabama. And it's really, honestly, it's not even Midwestern, like people yeah. from Illinois or Michigan or whatever. Like that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you grow, so you grow up in Tulsa, which is, you know, which is funny. Cause I've heard Tedder, you know, cause Ryan's from there, right? He is. Yes. I, yeah. I, I, and actually he's, he's like, uh, I don't know how much older than me he is, but I never crossed paths with him. I was probably like in middle school. And he yeah, was, he has a whole thing about Oklahoma. It's really, I need to find that incentive, but I've heard Ryan, Ryan Tedder, who if for people who don't listening, he's written basically every hit you've heard on the radio for the last decade, but he wrote bleeding love and he's a, he's a lead singer in one Republic. So apologize on his songs. But anyway, Ryan, I've heard sort of give this incredible passionate thing about how, Oklahoma is like this powerhouse of music, which is funny because if you think about, you know, Hanson, the Hanson guys are from there and in you and there's a lot of people that that it, it's surprising to know are from that area. But but neither, needless to say, I mean, you know that there's not a pedigree there. There's not sort of like this, you know, huge music scene that you sort of pop out of. No. And and like when I was doing like music in high school, I wasn't really, you know, we weren't like playing a ton of like bar gigs or something. And we, we did play in like some clubs, but I feel like the music scene in Tulsa was not really one that I was a part of. Cause I was like 16 or 17. And like, I knew a couple guys and like the cool Tulsa bands, but I was not in that world. I was like right. a kid. And so right. like we would occasionally play shows, but it wasn't like shout out to the Tulsa music scene of which I am a member. It's just like, <laughs> no nah, man, I'm like, I'm a child and I like to play music and that's it. <laughs> and then you play basketball on the weekends for your church group. Right. Church league. Totally. So, so, and, and, and there's no really music in your family either, right? Like this is not. No, not, 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 not in a real sense. Like my dad was in a uh, choir, but it's, <laughs> I, I like mean, that as- <laughs> yeah, I, I think w- my family is actually from a really small town in Oklahoma that we moved from there to Tulsa when I was like a tiny child. But like, I think he sang like, in church occasionally, but it was not, it's not like 
Like by himself? I think like maybe. Rock a solo? Maybe. Oh, dang. Yeah. Do you remember like what songs would he be singing solo? Oh, I mean, we moved when I was two, so I have oh, okay, okay. no idea. But okay. I mean, like the town literally is like 16,000 people. It's like, <laughs> okay, okay. Can't, can't describe a town as small as that. So, uh, but no, not in a real sense. Nobody played an instrument. <clears throat> Music was not like a part of our family. I feel like people, yeah. like Hillary's family, she was like, oh yeah, I always remember like on Saturdays, my parents would like turn music on and just kind of like listen to it. And sometimes like dance around. I was just like, not a thing at the director house. We were, <laughs> no, no. Like I listened to music with my dad while he was like driving somewhere, but like, no, no, it wasn't like, let's yeah. dig into like the bass tones. It was just like, <laughs> I like Steve Winwood. That's it. And so that being said, what, what, what where did the bug, like, what, can you, can you remember a moment, a, you know, event or a certain events or a string of events that got to where you sort because I feel like what is always so, and again, this is a selfish question because it's, it's my story too, but I'm always so fascinated by my friends who do it professionally at the level that you do it at, that are really good at what they do, that it just comes out of nowhere. It re- I mean, it really did. Um, I took piano lessons as a little kid, like kind of played by ear a little bit, but was not dedicated and wasn't like, that wasn't a thing. It wasn't like, oh, Ben plays piano. It was just like, whatever. Um, and I think the, I played and I noodled around on guitar a little bit too. <clears throat> I played in a talent show one time with Chris Wiley in seventh grade. We played <laughs> Wipeout in matching Hawaiian shirts. Oh and I did, I, I think I learned it by ear and had no idea. It was just like, it was not impressive, not very good. Yeah, yeah. But um, it truly like, the I got the bug probably, I bet it was the summer before my ninth grade year. And I went to a summer camp and some of the counselors were playing guitar and I was like, that's pretty cool. Maybe I mm. I want to play guitar. But when I really started being like, man, music like hit me was a guy came and sang at our school for chapel and it just like leveled me. And I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I want to do that. And like, maybe I could do that. And I, I had not sang like, don't, I don't know if I ever like sang to the radio. I don't, I don't remember musical noises coming out of me and it was never like, yeah, like kind of singing stuff. It was like zero. (laughs) And then after he sang at our school, I don't know how much later I was like, I'm going to like, and I sang only in my parents' bathroom when no one was home Mm. for a long time. And no one knew that I sang until I sang in front of people at like a, talent show kind of thing and it was like nobody knew and then it was like whoa it was like i guess you do this um but yeah it was it kind of came out of nowhere do you feel like um when you sang that time in front of people what was the response like how did you feel and how what was the response um i mean i think probably a lot of the response was that like nobody knew that at (laughs) all but people were pretty stoked they were amazing so it was encouraging Yes, it was good. But I mean, I did it for a long time in my parents' bathroom alone. And I was not like, look out world. I'm just getting ready to level this place. <laughs> but I think I think I was like, I don't know. Like, I think I sound kind of good, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's that's like, you know, when like some, I don't know how to say this in like a not 
not nice way. Like someone with a hard backstory goes on America's Got Talent and then everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how good that person is versus I just like, can't believe that this person who's, you know. Yeah. They've got like the heroin needle hanging out of their arm while they sing. Climbed up Mount Everest on their hands can like play the piano. Like (laughs) I I, I don't know how much of the response was like, whoa, this came out of nowhere and you're like passable or if it was really good. But I, people were, people were like, that was cool. I sang an original song and people were like, Oh "Oh." wow. Yeah. So it was kind of a double down. It wasn't just that you were singing a song. They were like, wow, you wrote this too. Yes. That's it. That's a shocker. Like that would, if I'm your parent or friend, I'd be like, what? Yes. And then and that was it. And so I, I don't, I can't claim that it was like so good. I think it was a lot of it was that, that was just like, if I don't know, like you didn't know your friend spoke French and then they spoke it fluently and you'd be like, what are you doing? So, and also who are you and are you my friend? Because I didn't know you at right. all. And it's like, you know, one thing, this, this is, uh, this is kind of a bizarre way to give a compliment, but I think one of the coolest things about your voice, I can actually, I, this, it, this may be a weird way to say this. I could understand how that would have been shocking because I feel like as long as I've known you, you've always sung really well in the same way. You, you know oh. what I mean? Like I could hear that you would have sung. In fact, you know, as I was listening to your songs this morning, trying to pick out my five favorites, which was a headache for this, uh, for the other, you know, part of this podcast with the Dave's five faves. I mean, your voice is so consistent. It's something I'm actually really jealous of because it doesn't sound like a voice that it's like, oh, record three, you can hear Ben really get into his space. <laughs> so I could understand how even probably at 15, 16, you sang well and people were like, Oh wow! You could, like there's your voice. That's, that's very kind of you. And I don't, I don't, I'd, I, I hope that it sounded good. I think it sounded reasonably good, but I don't know what it sounded like. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. That's nice of you to say. Well, so, so, so with that, and do, did you? And this is kind of a bizarre question. Did you feel like in singing it was because you had something to say, or do you feel like it was like I just think that looks really cool, and I like how it makes me feel when other people do it. I, I, I honestly feel like the uh, when I started doing it, it just felt like a pure thing. Hmm. I'm sure that I was kind of like, people will think this is cool, but like, I just really liked doing it. Like, hmm. well, I would go in there and sing, and it felt like meditative, and like, hmm. I was just like, it was something I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I think that's when it started out, it was not like schemey or like to get the girl. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. kind of like uh something that I would steal time away from other things to do. It was wow. in 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 a way that not a lot of things are like, you know, I yeah. said earlier, it was kind of uncomplicated. It was just like, oh, like this is yeah, this feels good. Yeah. I love it. What what is the first song you wrote that you got through with and thought, whoa? This is, it was, I think I would say it was the one that I played at that talent show. It was called tonight. Uh, and it's, I don't think it was an especially great song, but, uh, it, it was a song and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, it, you know, acoustic guitar, strummy guy. I was all about acoustic guitar, like very rhythmic, like, you know, triple strum, Shane Bernard style. Oh yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that was probably the first one that I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Did, did it, you, I, it was not good. I don't think. But. What is it? Well, what's the first song you look back at now and you feel like, no, that was, 
Can you remember the first song oh, you're like that you would even man. be tempted to still play now? You oh, know what I mean? Like that kind of song. Gosh. Or, or maybe I don't. I don't mean like you'd sit in a set and play, but you could you'd like sit with me and be like, "Yeah, this is it," and be like, "You're not cringing the whole time." You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what that would actually be. Would um, it have been on any of those early records? I mean, I think there are probably songs off of like the record, the first like record that I made that is not available anymore is called Twenty Tomorrow. But I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think I could play you some of those songs and you would be like, oh yeah, that's a song. But like when you get into the layers of like, okay, the melody's cool and that has kind of a feeling, but also there's like, it's greater than the sum of its parts type hmm. of deal. I don't know if the concepts of any of those songs were like, whoa, dude, this is so good. It was probably enough that if you had heard me do them when I was younger, that you'd be like, oh, like there's something there. Yeah. But I don't know that there's that like first song that was just mm. like effortless and still is as good today as it ever was. <laughs> like They're probably all a little clunky. Yeah. And, and like maybe people who aren't songwriters would be like, no, dude, I like those. But like, yeah. Nothing that I'd be like, yeah, dude, I wrote that when I was 17. <laughs> Nothing like that. I remember the first time I played this song, I was at a campus crusade for Christ, uh, like like fall retreat. And so there are three or four other schools there. And I, I, and I know I know that place. Exactly. You know that, yes. And so I remember like I, there was a couple guys that had guitars and we were just kind of like goofing around playing stuff. And I played a song that I'd written and this guy was like, who was also a songwriter. He was like, Whose song is that? And I was like, oh, I wrote it. And he's like, Game over. That's a great. He was song. like, You wrote that? And I was like, Yeah. And I think that was, I remember that feeling so well of being like, Holy cow, he thought I didn't write this. And that that was like the beginning of like, Right. Okay, maybe there's something there, you know? So, I, I think people probably always thought I wrote my songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's one of the things, you know, I think one of the things that's so fascinating about your story. Is you know you, you entered the songwriting competition, right? How yep, old were you when, when you did that? I was probably I would have been I might have been a freshman in college. Okay, and um, which it's the John Lennon songwriting competition, correct? Is, yes, and you won. I did, and um, no knock on the John Lennon songwriting competition. It seemed like a lot of people entered, but I don't know how many people entered. It definitely it felt like a very big deal to me. But I think like, as I listen to that song, it's fine. It's like, <laughs> you still play that song? Like what, no. what song was it? It's called conversation. And I don't even know if I could remember it. Wow. Um, but that's, I'm always every now and then that will, I'll read that in something about you. Or I'll remember that about, or I'll see John Lennon and just think, Oh yeah, Rector. And I'm amazed. That's not, I know for a while early on bio, like, but that's a big deal to win a national songwriting company, especially at 19 or 18. Totally. And I mean, I like, I was super stoked. I just feel like I, I I feel like sometimes it's like, Oh man. And after that, I bet the doors were just flying open. And and really what happened was I felt very cool. Yeah. And then they sent me a bunch of like, I got to pick out a bunch of like musical gear. It was like, wow. Got like, a guitar and like a bunch of money to Roland and something else. And I was like, this is sick. Um, and it, I think more than anything, it was affirming and it was like, Oh wow. Like it's not just people in my dorm who think this is cool. Mm. Um, but it's, it's also not, I think if I, if I like sent you the song, I think you'd be like, 
Hmm. <laughs> it, 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 it was it was it was like artistic, but it's not yeah. like yeah. somebody else got to sing this. You know? What I yeah. Mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think so much of those competitions is always cool because I think it's as much to your point about people going, "Wow, this guy's really got something." Totally. You know, and it, yep. they can be really great. Sort of like, "Hey, you need to keep doing this because obviously you're on to something." Yep. Totally. Yeah. The um. And, and, you know, I think of, of uh, and I, I really think this is true. I think of the people that I've sort of seen star rise really quickly. I remember moving to Nashville. I'd been here a couple of, gosh, I don't, not even months maybe. And, you know, John Mayer was just kind of starting to get, like he had played in Nashville a couple times and people had seen him. Um, and it was kind of those little buzz kind of growing. And I just feel like over the next three or four years, Every time he played somewhere, it was the bigger place. You know what I mean? He just mm. kind of kept moving up and and it was a really his career has always been such a anomaly. He's a mutant talent. I mean, he yeah. is he's a mutant, but and so he deserves that kind of but it was just crazy to watch, you know, because everywhere he 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 would play, um, it was just so much more substantial. And it's interesting because I feel like your career, um, obviously not at that, it's just his is like that was just insanity yep. and, and, and was helped by where music was at the time too, because mm-hmm. he really rode that first Napster wave into oblivion. But I feel like yours has been such a similar sort of career. It was like so fun to watch, you know, you as you kept progressing and it felt like every time you played somewhere, a play or two later, it was the next bigger venue and bigger and bigger. And, um, and, you know, just I, I remember thinking, like, I don't really feel like I've seen this kind of energy since John, what he was doing, beginning, um, you know, beginning his thing. And I think such a compliment to you, because I think you have such a rare gift in your writing. It's not only bulletproof. I think that's something I've always really in, enjoyed about what you do is the attention to detail. Like, I think um, you have such a gift for really tightening screws real well. You know, mm, you're, you're you. really, and if you know you in anybody that knows you, you know, you, you're sort of like that in life too. You have a really, mm-hmm. you pay attention, you, you know, details are somewhere you can get, you're really good at. I remember mm-hmm. talking one of the first times you had really laid out your stage show and I was just so blown away because you had spent so much time getting the lighting right. And yeah. I just, you know, I never knew anybody like that. And so it was so fun to hear you kind of go, Oh yeah, we got to, everything's on a click. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you're like, yeah, the whole show is like gridded out, which, you know, I was just like, this blew my mind. But I think, you know, it's no wonder, you know, I think one people have always enjoyed what you do uh, because it's so well done, but it's also, you, you've always had this real gift for writing songs that I think just have such a huge resonating factor. And I think one of the cool things about your voice is it's, it's like the perfect um, carrying it. It carries that message really well. It's very sincere. Thanks, man. It's very palatable. It's not something you have to work to, to like or dislike. Um, actually you do have to work to dislike it, but, but I think like it, but it was so fun from the sidelines, just seeing that rocket and it continues to really grow. And I think it's so, it's even more fun knowing it's something that you just had in you that kind of came again out of nowhere. And you were like, Hey, this is great. And there's just been this resounding choir of people that's like, yeah, it is great. Keep doing it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but Thank it's you. so it's, I, I love that about your story. I love that, you know, such a wonderful human, Get, has just been on such a rock. It's just been such a rocket ship to watch. You know, it's like, it feels like it just keeps growing and growing, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to 
keep this on loop in my headphones <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm feeling down. No, it's 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 true. I think I think uh, it's a real compliment to to the time you put into it. But I think also, you know, God's just really given you a gift to be able to write these songs that I think have they all resonate at a four forty with so many people. You know what Thank I mean? Um, and it's and it's and it's really well done too. I think that's the other thing is it's not something that I think any other songwriter would hear. And, you know, kind of roll their eyes at like, oh god, he's duping them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's obviously really great. I mean, do you when you think, do you feel like that? I mean, that's probably a weird, but how do you? That's probably yeah. a, that's a huge question. But I mean, I, I think my honest answer is it has gone better than I thought that it was going to go. Mm. Um, and I am really grateful that it has gone well. And I also see the endless like you know i guess my honest answer is like i can't tell i i feel like um at peace with like if this is as far as it ever went i would be like man what an awesome ride that is so cool and then i the like perfectionist in me is like is it did you have i I gone far enough is it like have i with with the uh setup that i was given should i've gone a lot Mm. farther should i Mm. uh i don't know Mm. um and I, and th- I think that's the, that's the weird part about, I feel like getting older and any of this stuff is it's kind of hard to figure that out. Like mm. there are days when I'm like, this has gone incredibly well. This is so crazy. <laughs> and then there's other days where it's like, man, like there are people that like would not stop until they like own a jet. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I think my honest answer is it's definitely gone better than I than I thought it would, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Mm. But I'm not like mic drop, like <laughs> n- never been anybody doing this like I have. It's not like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a great way to put that. I think it is. It is fun. I mean, again, I, one of my favorite things. I think Phil Collins is kind of the Uber example of this. But again, these people that have this gift that God's given them. And there's no pedigree for it. And then they're really good at it. You know, Mm. it's not just something that's like, um, yeah, like I play some songs and it's fun and I can sing pretty good and I'm making this little, I'm eking out a living. But like, you know, uh, again, you're, you know, from everything to writing to your stage to it's, it's all just really well done. I think that comes from this gifting that you have that you've done such a good job sort of procuring. So here's a random question before we jump into five hot takes. All of those things said, if you had to play three of your songs, for aliens that visit the earth. They just come out of nowhere. They pop down. They're in your front yard and they're like, we hear this stuff called music. <laughs> will you, will you play your favorite three songs of yours? Is it, is this just my favorite or what I would play for the aliens? Oh, I, I like that. Those are different. I just feel like I've, I've with the aliens, I've got some responsibility. Like I need to, <laughs> no, I need to, okay. I need to cover some bases no, that maybe yeah. aren't just about what I think is cool. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't need to like write a song about the electoral process. To no, no, no I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I, I guess I, I'm taking both of these things into account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and, and two, you know, uh, it, you're not teaching them anything. They're just like, yeah, I know. Give I'm us just thinking, like, yeah. If it's, I just, you know. If yeah. it's just like we're not even here, just like play whatever you want to play. Versus like I might throw, I might should throw in a more up tempo number so that yeah, yeah you know yeah yeah I I think I would play uh, I I would play the men that drive me places mm. 
because I am proud of that mm. song. You know, a sidebar, I want to, I don't even know that you know the story, but one of the things I thought about this before this interview, one of the things it's one of my favorite things that happens in Nashville in my songwriting community is when somebody comes up to me and goes, Hey dude, have you heard that song by one of our friends? Mm. And I remember seeing Mokler somewhere back then. And he was, we were catching him. He's like, dude, have you heard Rector's new song, the men that drive me places? And I was like, no. And I was like, that's the best compliment to me is when mm. someone that is another writer goes, Hey, have you heard that song? And I remember, being like, okay, uh, obviously that title is, I'm already fascinated, but it, it, I remember that. And I was like, God, that's such a cool thing when somebody is like, you got to hear this song by this other guy. That's, you know I mean? yeah, totally, totally. And I feel like, I, yeah, I, I totally get that. I feel like it, it's almost like everybody's around like, yeah, I don't know, building yeah, whatever. And then it's yeah. like, dude, <laughs> Bill built a really good one. Have you seen <laughs> yeah. it? Um, and I, and I, I told, yeah, I feel like I, it's like, it's almost like the game recognized game thing where it's yes, like, we're all yes, out here playing yes, golf and it's yes. like, did you hear Steve yeah. shot like 61? The <laughs> yeah, other that's day exactly. like, Dang, that's really good. Uh, that, that is a good compliment. I play that song. I feel like I would have to play brand new and mm. I'm not like the guy that's like, I don't want to play the song that like was whatever version of a hit that was. Um, but I, you know, I think it would, it's, it's, an up, it's an up-tempo one. I think they'd it's be like, oh yeah, I would get it. This is cool. Um, and then I'd probably want to play like another, almost like something with a different like groove DNA. Mm. Um, so maybe like, oh, this is actually very tough. Hmm. Um, uh Either like duo, because mm. I feel like that's like another, if I'm informing the aliens about music, <laughs> that's got like a little, it does not have like proper swagger, but it's got right. like a different motion yeah. to it on yeah. a bass level. Like if it was like, there's a lot of people that don't listen to the lyrics at all. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like a different, makes me move in a different yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I play that. All right. If, if they, if the aliens are into lyrics, I might play like old friends or something, mm. but they, you know, I don't know if they'd, they might not get that. <laughs> they made an effort. Right. Yeah. They might be like, what are you talking about? Uh, I, I'd say those two, man, that's a really tough question. I'm probably at the end of this interview going to be like, Oh dang, I should have said that one. <laughs> no, those um, are good. Yeah. I, but I think those, I, I might say those. Yeah. That's a fun question to ask you because I think, you know, you, you have, you do have such a thick, it's like very wide. Mm. You know, your songs span a lot of subject matter, so it'd be fun to hear. Okay, so let's let's uh let's get into this five hot takes, Benny. Okay. Um what's uh, hot take number one? Hot take one. I'm gonna ease us into this because I don't wanna come out with I don't wanna come out just with like molten lava first, okay? Let's do it. My first hot take, some might not even call this a hot take, but I didn't I didn't understand that this was any version of a take. I thought it was just accepted. So I'll say it first as a lukewarm take. Okay. Paul is the best beetle just ah. hands down. But you say that and I've said that to people yeah. and they look <clears> at me like words. explain yourself. And I'm just want to be like, <laughs> and for all, for a while at the beginning uh, of quarantine, I decided I was like, man, I want to like enjoy music and like study it again. So I was like, I'm going to listen through the Beatles catalog and picked up a lot of stuff that I didn't know and I found more respect for John Lennon because I, you know, for a minute would talk 
not as glowingly about him. Cause I feel like I would joke with people that liked him the most. I was like, Oh, you know how you can figure out which song John Lennon wrote? The melody's like, and Paul is like spouting out just like, like a musical fountain. Um, but I think to me, a, without Paul, mm. I think that the Beatles just would not have been I think they would have been the least close to the Beatles than they were without any other member. Yeah, that's And I totally get that like John helped with like the lyrical stuff and wrote great songs on his own. George, unbelievable, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the secret sauce of the of the Beatles, the like play play the song for the aliens, so much of their like DNA musically, Mm -hmm. I think is really Paul. Where it's just like his approach to rhythm and melody and chords, where I feel like John was a little more like indie and they needed that. Yeah. I remember I worked with uh, a guy named Tony Hoffer on the last record. He really loved John Lennon and he was like making fun of Paul. He's like, what do you like? He's like these clown songs. And he's like, (laughs) and I was like, I get it. I I get that. Like sometimes, you know, John's maybe lyrical stuff is uh, as more teeth or whatever. But when I think the Beatles and when I think like, if you just said the Beatles, Mm. I think like whatever people are imagining is heavily influenced by Paul. You know, I think uh, I would love, love, it's one of the things I would love in retrospect is to actually, if they would have credited the songs who actually wrote them. And I know a lot of people are going to be like so pissed that I just said that, but you know, you you can kind of tell you can, but it just, I think it'd be a real eye opener to see Cause you know, yes, John came in and tweaked and fixed and cleaned up and that's a whole gift in itself. I have, I have mm-hmm. huge respect for that, but I do think it'd be a real eye opener and you can tell you, you nailed it. I mean, you, you can, de- but, but just to really clear up, like here are the sort of where these things landed, you know? Or, yeah, or, or like, I, I would have loved to have known like what a co-write between them looked like if it was like, cause I, I could see it being any number of ways. And I think like the way it usually happens, I bet. Sometimes Paul's just like, hey, yo, I che- I came up with a song, check it out. And John might be like, oh, maybe switch those two things yeah. around. Yeah. Versus how much it was like, let's you and I like bang out a song. Um, and I think I did, of the songs that I knew that John wrote, I was more impressed than I thought I would be. And like, yeah. I, I kind of knew that, but when you're just listening to it top to bottom, it was like, they're all awesome. Yeah. I think I used to be more like, yeah, John, whatever. And not truly, but like, kind of jokingly and it's yeah. more like no like he was sick i just think like the x factor was paul's like yeah just yeah what came out of him yeah it seems i mean i am not i, I I've, I've read books and i've watched the specials i'm not the guy i feel like you and i probably have a hundred friends that could sit and just you know spew and facts about them but my limited knowledge is it's that mo- a lot of their songs they wrote by themselves and brought to each other. And then there mm-hmm. were tweaks. And yes. I think that's what keeps them so wonderfully ununiform. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to me that so many of those, I, I think the other thing that's really great about their songs, I, it's so funny about this stuff. I was thinking about this two days ago. Cause um, Madison Cunningham, who I think is a genius um, covered in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for anybody that either is like undecided on the Beatles, which is hard to even say out loud, or is just like, I grew up with them and I'm just so used to it. Like it was all my parents listened to. And so I can't hear, hearing people cover them well is like, it opens up this weird thing in your brain. Her version of in my life 
Because I know that song pretty well. Mm-hmm. But hearing her and a guitar do it was like, wait, that that's a chord in there? Oh, I didn't know that was a chord. I, it's just incredible. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't, I feel like I don't get into like hyperbole or like, hype and stuff i feel like so much of the time it's like oh my gosh like so great this is the best and i i was blown away listening through all of it at a couple things one just how good it is and how much better it's like the tiger woods or michael jordan music like nobody even gets close to it they just don't because like so many songs like even that song that you said you wouldn't really think like name your favorite Beatles songs. That wouldn't be one of them. But then like, if you play like the musicality of it is staggering. It's like, and it's like somehow incredibly musical, but so simple. And like, that's the most impossible thing to do. So like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, it's just like so much better to me than I thought it would be. And I don't, I don't, I'm not like a hype man. I'm like the least version of that. Well, don't to me, maybe and and man, two hot takes just happened. One yours about um, them being Michael Jordan, which I'm not arguing. I'm, I'm saying that's a really good hot take Two, mm-hmm. I think the fact that Paul's maybe his strongest gift, and this is kind of heresy to even say, because there's so many is his ability to make something so profoundly melodic chord, heavy, sound so insanely simple oh dude and i mean honestly i was at that at at the beginning of quarantine i was doing like some of those covers and i was also just trying to like get back into music as just a fan and like it's not like jazz deep but it's like kind of deep some of it you're like oh wow (laughs) there's like this is music and it's not like i feel like you know it's not like four chords Music. It's like music music where you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Dang, this yeah. is we're we're doing yeah. this. Okay. Um follow up question. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Huey Lewis. Ooh. Just t- yeah. I, I just want to hear you pontificate. because I know you have a huge affinity for him. You released the covers. Uh that's been a while now. Jeez, how long yeah, ago? Yes, a minute. That? I don't know. It was, it was a while ago. Years, I mean like yeah. kind of long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um it, it, just take me there. Cause I cause I agree with your affinity. He's can I t- can I just make this a hot take? Let's do it. Huey Lewis has the best male voice in pop Ooh. music history. <laughs> oh, from the top rope. Yeah, I, I, I came in came in heavy with that one. Here's the thing, man, is I can't really push back that hard against that because he has got the thing that gets me more than like most voices do. It's this really approachable blue collar, but it's so husky so- and it, here's what it is and here's what did it for me i grew up listening to huey lewis only because my dad did and i i like i i I don't know that i thought about it really i was really young and i was like cool and as i got older i was like oh yeah it's kind of dad music but what i think huey lewis does i think you nailed it it feels very approachable but just from a sheer like tone perspective and so as I, when I was doing those covers, I, I don't have like an especially high voice, but like kind of high for not being like a true tenor mm-hmm. and, uh, his voice that the, where his voice sits, like the tone of his voice is lower than my voice and he can sing higher than I can. Yeah. And like for a person like 
I can seem like kind of high for, I think, I don't think I'm a baritone. I'd probably be like a baritoner. But if I like really needed to like go get it, I'm not going to win a competition, but it's like, I can see kind of high. Yeah. He can sing yeah. way higher, way more effortlessly. And his voice sits lower than my voice does. Yeah. Um, but just so like to me, and I've, I think this too, there's something inherently, I think really pleasing about low voices. Like the people that are really good at impressions, like all the people that are like Instagram, whatever, a lot of those people's voices are actually pretty low. Oh, wow. And you don't really think about that, but like just the mm. resonance of their voice is lower than you think it is. And so like, think about like every commercial announcer, every movie announcer, every whatever, they have these like rich voices. There's mm-hmm. something that's just pleasing about that. And I think what Huey Lewis does that is so unique is it feels incredibly masculine, but it is not aggressive and it's mm. just smooth and rich. It's just like, I mean, it's literally like butter. <laughs> it is ice cream. And, and, and I think you could definitely argue that there are like more impressive, like the hair metal era where people like, Wah! like that thing, you know, different types. But I think if you just want like pleasing and what a good pop vocal should be, which is like magnetic and unique, like I don't think there's been a better person to do that for pop. Mm. Now, definitely is it like, there's some like, you know, golden voiced R&B singer like, yeah, but just for I, for what I think pop music is supposed to be, which is like accessible but unique, I don't think there's been a better voice. I yeah. don't. And I mean, dude, just that they're, the era they did that in, that he sounds like that, I just, it's unbelievable. You know, t- two, two quick uh, uh, passerby thoughts. One, he doesn't really have vibrato, which is pretty profound. If you think about it, I mean, he's got a little bit, but it's, it's not, it, it is, it's like that kind of like, it is a little blue collar. It, it's what it is. And two, and I remember, uh, Justin Rosalino, who we both know, who's an incredible guitar player, hipping me 15 years ago. And he was like, cause we were listening. I was like, God, how much of a genius he's like, you got to understand how good that band was though. And especially his guitar player. Dude. And if anybody that's listening to this and you like music and you're rolling your eyes at Huey Lewis and you know anything about music, I challenge you right now to stop this podcast and go listen to any of those hits and listen to the guitar playing. Totally. It is mind bending. Dude, some of the solos are insane. And I also, I just <laughs> love the setup of the band, like their approach that they were just like a San Francisco, like kind of a bar band and they were just like a really good band really good band it, it it came together like that like that they just kind of built out of that and by the time they like had their moment it wasn't like anybody had put them together it wasn't like huey right. lewis needed to find a band it's like oh no dude we've been doing this and don't yeah. you know like before they were huge they just ruled san francisco <laughs> yeah. like can can you imagine like so in tulsa we had the hero factor and it was like they were like gods but can you imagine if it wasn't the hero factor if it was huey lewis <laughs> i mean i mean dude it, it, like every person in san francisco would be like have you been have you heard yeah i don't know man i just think that the, I, I respect the way they came up. He's really good at harmonica too. I don't know yeah, that's that. yeah, that's kind of a sleeper. He he, it was fun. Um, I love music podcasts, and I got I listened to probably three or four of. He was randomly on a bunch of them over the last year. Like he just sort of made the circuit with all the ones I listened to, yep. and I listened to all of them, and it was fascinating hearing him tell their story too. About your point about um about uh. The harmonica and how much of a blues guy he is like that's totally. really kind of what he came up in he like backpacked in europe like with yeah. a harmonica and he was like yeah. that's like what i do yeah when he was like 20 which is crazy um okay i'm i'm, I'm still giving you the second one i'm gonna let that be uh be so what's hot take two okay 
Let's see what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to do this. Yeah, yeah. How you want to unfold it? Unroll I'll, it. I, I, I'll come in with this one, and this is actually a hot take, and I hope I don't catch flack for it. Hot take two. I would say that uh, my hot take number two is that current pop music, like what we consider pop music in 2020, is really performance art more than it is music. Oh. Yeah, keep talking. I really like where this is going. Yeah, I think, um, and I, I, I say that with 0% like purest high hoarseness where it's like, it's not whatever. I think it is as challenging, as impressive, as artistic. But I think that if you really look at it, like when you watch, so we just watched the CMAs and I, and then they had an ad for, I don't know if it would be the basically a non-country music award show. I put that together uh, and I've, I've thought that for a while, but like when you watch the CMAs, it's, it's, it is, it's music. It's like people on stage playing instruments, doing that. And really, I feel like a lot of pop, like capital P pop music now, it really is more about like, uh, yeah, it's like performance art. It's the mm-hmm. like, I think Lady Gaga is a great example of that. But really, if you just watch any award show, it kind of is like music is a part of it, but it's about kind of like the whole thing. And even the music is almost performance art-esque. It's about like curation, excuse me, um, like curation of sounds and concepts. But it's not really like, I think, I genuinely think if you showed someone from the forties, some of the performances, they would be like, what am I looking at right now? And you'd be like music. And they'd be like, (laughs) where it's like, well, that girl is singing, but, or like that guy is singing uh, or whatever. And again, 0% judgment Mm -hmm. of like, and that's, and it should be music. Like, I don't, I don't even think that because I stand, I, I look at like, I'm a legitimate, huge fan of Cardi B and think that she has mm-hmm. swagger and like magnetism and star power in quantities that like, you know, I don't know who to compare it to, but just like she is unbelievably mad- magnetic and is an unbelievable rapper. Like that's mm-hmm. legitimate. But I think if someone was like, is she like a musician, musician? I'd be like, I think that she's a performer mm-hmm. and like, I can't close to do what she does. And you'd, you'd be incredibly hard pressed to find anybody who could do that. And to me, it's like, yeah, that's like, I don't know, like this is not, I'm not trying to say this actually, but it's like our race car drivers, like athletes. It's like, they kind of are, but like, Mm -hmm. is that a sport sport? It, to me, it's almost like that. Mm. And like, I say that with all the respect in the world for the people that are doing capital P pop music and not at all saying like, that they're not doing real music. I don't think that it's just interesting to me because I think we've gotten to a place to where I think a lot of it, it is a version of performance art mm. as much as it is music. Cause I think yeah. like, if you look at anytime an infomercial comes on, it's like soft hits of the seventies <laughs> and they, they like play, you know, footage of those people. Those people are playing music. They're like, they don't look that cool. They're not like particularly mm. attractive, but it's just like, dang, what a great singer or what a great player. And I feel like now it's not as like, you'd be hard pressed to find like stuff on award shows now. That's like, ah, dude, like 
not a killer vibe, but just like, I want to just want to listen to this person go for <laughs> hours. It's really more just kind of like the whole thing, yeah. which I think is no judgment on that, but yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, I have these really weird thoughts when I'm driving sometimes where I'm like, you know, music has been around, I mean, popular music arguably since the beginning of the 20th century, you know, and and mm. you could maybe make a hard push for like the 20s or 30s. Yep. So it's really not that old, right? Yep. It's it's still very young when you think of other art forms. It's baby young. It's infant. Yep. It's still in its infancy. But I also have these thoughts where I'm like, I mean, how much can you really do with this? You know, 500 years from now, what is music going to be like? And are guys still going to be, and girls still going to be playing songs on piano and guitar? I mean, I think so. But but there's a part of me that's like, you know, it, it makes sense why music would keep going this way because it can only iterate itself so many times before somebody's like, oh, wait, is it going to be like you singing a song on guitar? Well, you know I, what I mean? I mean, this is, uh, this is like hot take two or three A or whatever, number one. But I think if you really are honest, if you look at like what pop music would have been in like Bach era, music has just gotten simpler and simpler, but we're to the place now to where you can't get any simpler. Like we've yeah. literally taken like tonal information out completely in some songs to where it's like a rhythm and spoken word. Mm-hmm. So like, to me, it's 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 like it's the continuation of the graph of like less nuance where like if you look at I mean, somebody should do this where it's just like look at the number of chords in a song from the twenties, like top ten songs in the twenties, how many chords do they have? Mm. Top ten songs in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, twenty tens, twenty twenties. I guarantee you that graph is just like straight down to where I for a second, like for one second. I was like, I want to learn more about songwriting. So I charted out songs, mm-hmm. like I charted out some country songs. And I remember there's one country song, uh, I think it's called Neon Light by Blake Shelton. One chord. All over the one. What? Yeah. Uh, and, but like, if you got into like some pop music now, like, I mean, there's, uh, I feel like there are rap songs that would be like, like kind of in a minor key, but it's not like, chord changes really so yeah. i think like it's a question of like where does music go from here it's also interesting to me that like we went from like you know classical music like symphonies <laughs> and we've kind of like continued to remove nuance until here and so I, i'd be super interested to see where it goes from here because it, it, it i can't get much less nuanced well you know it's fascinating and I, I would love to see somebody put together like a graph of this but i saw an article the other day where um there hasn't like the Grammys, and this is a very weird qualifier, but the Grammys haven't had, there's been one song that was written by one person nominated for a Grammy. Like there's been like one, a couple of years ago or something like there, they just have this, there was this really fascinating article about how songs have never been written by more people than they are now. And hmm. and it's really interesting to your point. Like, I wonder how that coalesces with this weird idea that they've also never been sort of more simpler, which you think would be the opposite, but, but I can't help but wonder where that Venn diagram meets of like how having more people, somehow is making things yeah like you know like you would think it'd be more information and more chords and i think i think just like anything else it's like to make something more sticky and more like competitive i think you 
remove nuance. I mean, that's then that's a whole yeah. like to make literally to make things louder, like loudness wars, you remove nuance. And so yeah. like everybody's trying to make, I mean, that's what everybody tries to do. You try to make the simplest thing with the most content. And the way that you do that is you remove information. You remove yeah. nuance, you know? Yeah. I think on my saddest days, like when I'm really going to the dark, dark place in my brain, which I try not to go to, you know, I, I see that and I get really sad feeling like, but what about guys who are still trying to write songs on guitar and <laughs> they can, you know, and I'm like, because, you know, I can get really lost in it again. I can get really sad thinking like, you know, when I see sometimes I, I tend not to watch award shows because because it does this to me Yeah, where I just kind of feel like, how is this the I never feel more geriatric. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm 150 years old because I'm like, where's the guitars? Where's yep. the, you know? But but I have to be careful because uh, the irony is I love a lot of that music. So I'm I'm like you. I'm not a hater of those things, but I think I can feel like <laughs> sort of left out of the party because I'm still the guy that's like sitting around trying to write songs on guitar. Totally. <laughs> I, but I think the difference too is like I feel like everything's getting a lot more fragmented. Where like I would feel worse about it if if the industry was still set up like it was in the '90s, where it's like, hey, like you can only be heard if you go through you know the gatekeepers and make this kind of music. Where like I think now like there's weird corners of every thing where there's people like who are more into traditional knitting than they ever have been. But like, that's not a mainstream thing. I think like there's always going to, you know, I, I wouldn't have predicted the resurgence of like this kind of like instrumental funk that's happening. Mm -hmm. I would be like, man, like kids probably aren't even learning how to play instruments anymore. And now it's like, no, they're like better than they've ever yeah. been. Yeah. I think on that level, the only thing that's different is just that like a few of the like main channel things are, you know, very. specifically kind of simple, but I feel like, uh, a lot of the other stuff is, there's always, I think anytime something is made well, people will be yeah. into it. Um, okay. B question for you. <clears throat> is there a song that you keep trying to write? <sighs> like a specific concept? Yeah. Or, or like a vibe, you know, I'll give you an example. Here's a little, little, like, uh, maybe cheat code, but like, I think about mayor, um, you know, with gravity, I remember reading an interview and he was like, this has been the song I've tried to write like five times, but you know, you think of, um, come back to bed. He's had like three or four songs that he released before that. Like, I loved that song that was on his live record. He's play. Um, um, it's exact, uh, I can't remember what to call it, what it's called, but he never released it on another record, but the live record, it's that same vibe. It's like mm. the kind of guitar heavy, you know, um, six, eight thing. And, and, and he, and he sort of says, I finally nailed on gravity. Do you feel like you have a song or a, a total? I mean, I think, and this could be a hot take. I feel like everybody has only like three or four songs that they that's write. That's <laughs> That's like, I mean, that's literally true. like go find everybody's like, look at your favorite artist. They've got like three, maybe four things they do. And it's mm. all like iterations of like, mm. you know, to use mayor, like he's got the like, introspective finger picky acoustic guitar he's got the like kind of more like sassy electric guitar like kind of sexy thing and then he's got the kind of like upbeat waiting on the world to change um new what's it new light uh, new light like it's that mm. thing but I, that's mm. everybody like if, yeah i the song that i write over and over is like you know pensive thoughtful acoustic guitar strummy guy 
brand new. Like, I, but I mean, it, is there? Is it? It's in, your, it's in your rhythmic. It's like those are the literally. It's like when I sit down, I've realized I should start writing a song like to certain BPMs because I will pull. It's almost like there's like three rhythmic troughs that I get pulled into. And and it's because like, that's naturally it's like, I like to like let my voice kind of like dance around and create a uh, rhythmic energy and the tempo it does that well at is this kind of like thing. But yeah, I, the song that I've written a bunch of times, like uh, when I'm with you, old friends, mm. brand new. And there's one other one. It's the same rhythmic DNA, which I really like. It's essentially double time and half time together. So you've got like, and then when you want to turn over, you add a backbeat. Basically, it's like, you're like, it can't get any more intense than this. And you're like, wait till we make it halftime. And then you're like, whoa. But that's just like, that's a thing that comes out naturally. And so like, that's a vibe, but I feel like that's every person has like three and a half vibes yeah. and that's Well, and, and I tell you, man, good Lord, the thing that I, I feel like I've never said this out loud before, but I think this is true. I think the first 15 years of my career, and I think probably a lot of people's career, you're trying to write great songs. The next, however many years you're trying to write, you're trying not to write the same song. Totally. You know, it's like, cause you sort of build your catalog and then it's like, you look back and you go, okay. And then you're like, oh shoot, didn't I, I may have done this before. And so it's, totally. it's trying to be great. Do you, I mean, do you think there's a song that you have in your mind's eye that you're like, I haven't nailed that thing yet? Yeah, I think there's, um, I feel like because, you know, you're trying to make, I think playing shows changes everything because yes. there's, there's yes. a lot of types of songs that don't necessarily work in front of a lot of people. Mm. I really like Randy Newman. Mm. And I feel like I've written some kind of like, that's like sort of a thing that I yeah, have done making before. money. Right. Yeah. But I feel like there hasn't been necessarily mm. the one that's just like, oof, mic drop. And um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the song that I keep wanting to write. Mm. Something that feels like it's like, honestly, like Christmas music or something where it's like old and classic, mm -hmm. but it's matched with a concept that is like super immediate yeah. and timeless. I feel like I haven't quite done that. Yeah. That to me is the, that is one of my favorite things. People always ask me like, you always write all this Christmas stuff, but do you know why that's why, that's why I do it? Cause Christmas music is the only place that my brain feels like you can stick the landing or you miss it. Yeah. There's no like, Oh, that's like a good People ask me that all the time. Like I have so many of my songwriting friends like, dude, why do you, why is Christmas music always something you mess with? You play, And I'm like, because it's literally the one safe place. Yeah. It's like, you can write a Christmas song and go, I think I stuck that. I think that's it. Like it, it either works or it doesn't pop music, whatever. Everything else is so esoteric. And it like some people love it. But Christmas music to me is like that one place that nails what you just said, which is like, I took that theme, I explored it. It feels like it should feel. You just get the vibe or you don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. It, it's a really safe place. All right, uh, hot take three. Come on. Hot take three. Hot take three. Um, I think I, I think about mixes in like a visual sense. Oh, wow. I like, I like picture them. So you got like a synesthesia thing sort of happening? I don't think it is. I don't think it's proper synesthesia. It's not like tasting it or seeing it or something, but I do kind of like visualize it. And I feel like, uh, and this is a blanket statement and it is not totally true, but I think snares are supposed to be high and full of crack. Wow. And I feel like snares for whatever reason 
every drummer is like, I got one that's good for you. And it's like, cool. Do you want to hear what the beat's going to sound like? And you know where my vocal's going to sit? Right here. And so I think if you're looking at a mix, the kick is right here. It's like, if you're imagine you're looking at like your yearbook picture, the kick is like, you see the top half of it and the bottom half of it goes below the yearbook picture. Your face is the lead vocal, right? You're smiling. That's the way it should be. And that snare should just be like a hat on top of your head. <laughs> I mean, just imagine like beatboxing. Don't go. And so I think as I, as I think about like production or, uh, not, I don't think about mixing immediately when making a song, but you kind of are because you're like mm. filling out the sonic real estate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes sense. It's mm. like you got the low end, you need some high end to go with that low end, and you got to leave some space for the tonal information. Not going to mm. be a lot of stuff up in the ka. And yeah. so like, I feel like for a long time, I didn't understand. I started working with my friend Chad Copeland and he really liked like dead snares. And I didn't have enough like musical experience to be like, I don't want that. I want this. But I was always like, I don't know if I like that. And the more I've done music, just generally, I'm waiting for the big resurgence of, and I'm not talking, it doesn't have to be like quest love, like, you know. Or guys, 311. That guy played a marching snare drum. It it doesn't have to be like that. But I just think in general, what a snare is, I would say, supposed to do. And there's tons of room for gushy, you know, thuddy snares i think that's cool but i just feel like now so many samples in like acoustic drums are everybody's just like like dark cymbals and huge snare drums and i just want to be like hope you don't want to want to put anything else in this song because (laughs) you're gonna have a lot of you're gonna have a lot of real estate like right up here um but yeah i feel like that so yeah i just you know that's my take. I'm not. Uh, I, I can't wait for the hate mail. I will get. Uh, and I and I I love I love a good thud on a snare and sometimes. But I just feel like it's like a cool thing right now. I feel like often in the studio or live, I got to be like tune it up, tune yeah. it up. Nope, yeah. nope, 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 nope. Tune it up. And that is, you know, that is one of my favorite takes of all time. And I think it's 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 because and it's it's an especially informed take. Like anybody <laughs> listening to this, like. This is where professional, this is like when you know you're talking to professional musicians because I've never thought about that. I'm going to laugh about that take. So I'm sadly, I have such a penchant for thud. Yeah. I grew up playing drums because I think the thing I, snares to me, this is weird. Here's a little fun fact about the way my brain works. Because I was a drummer first, nothing may matter as much to me in the track as drums do. Because to me, that is the beginning of how things make me feel. And so it's funny because um, uh, really attacky snares send me into a really specific place if they're not right. Mm -hmm. And so I can get really nervous. But it's funny because thuddy ones do too. Like I've got a song I'm literally working on right now. I'm putting the demo together for that I love. And I put the drums. I just did like a a little, you know, uh, thing in my studio. Use Logic this logic kit called um, Liverpool. And it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite snares of all time, but it is the deadest. And I stuck it in the track and I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like 1972, which if you're right. going for that is great. And, but if you're not, it is, boy, you can't, it is hard to get out of there. And again, I should add an addendum to my take. I'm not saying that snares should not necessarily be thuddy or dead or low. I just feel like if you graft it 
I think snares, I think where snares should just sit as like when you picture snare in your mind, I think that we've gotten a little too thuddy and low. I think right now it's possible if you're like, make a snare sound, somebody would be like, and I'm like, no, 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 it should be. (laughs) And, and, and if, if you've got like, you know, like a slow burn, like, yeah. That's fine. If you yeah. if you want to make like something sound seventies, that's great. I just think in general, I think we should just raise the snare back up a little <laughs> bit. That up a little bit. And yeah, just I mean, think a about it. it. You're trying to make space in a mix. You yeah. don't. It shouldn't be like snare kick pancaked on each other. No, yeah. that's not what it's supposed to be. That that is that is something I would love somebody a lot smarter for me to do is like a really deep dive, like a, a master, you know, like a thesis paper on why snares have gotten more thuddy and not as because i'm sure there's some really somebody really smart could be like you know well you can actually trace that back and it's like what and and again i think there's a ton of music now i feel like a ton of urban music the snares are like as high as they can be but i just think i'm thinking of like you know like people making music with real drums it feels more often now that people are like, yeah, like I got this awesome, like pancake snare. And I'm just, I want to be like, <laughs> it, it feels like this. It feels like, like we've been making Thanksgiving Turkey forever. And somebody started showing up with like fried Turkey wings. And you're like, I mean, that is Turkey, but like, <laughs> let's be real. Still yeah. in the encyclopedia, Thanksgiving Turkey looks like this. Yes. And we operate from that. That's so. right. That's right. As the guy that wrote the Thanksgiving song, you do have an authority on this. Subject. <laughs> so, um, okay. Another quick question. When do you like, as you're writing your songs, when, when are you drawn toward the guitar or the piano? Like, how do you know which one to employ? Is there no, any rhythm? I'd say usually man, like, for me, there's a couple ways that songs come up and that would be one, I'm at an instrument playing and kind of like catch a vibe and then we go from there. The other way, which I feel like has happened more as I've gotten older, is like something will hit me away from instruments altogether. Oh, wow. So I'll be like driving and something pops in my head. And at that point, it's not... I feel like the vibe is kind of formed then and so I'm not like where should I play this? It's more just like, it's, it already exists. It's just kind of like, if, if it's a piano vibe, it'll be on piano, but it doesn't really, to me feel necessary. If the instrument is part of the conception of the idea, then it's probably going to have to do with that. But like, if I'm driving and like a phrase, that's also a melody pops in my head. It's already like baked a little bit. And I'm not like, where's this going? It's like, well, it's there. You know what I mean? And then you just go back and figure out what instrument. You're kind of hearing that on, yeah. Um, Okay, hot take four. Hot take four. All right. This is this is not a super hot take, but I I always chuckle at it. And I may I may be being vulnerable here. Maybe I'm like way off. I think when bands list their influences, as they often have to do, I think they should have to list their actual influences and not their (laughs) aspirational influences. Because every time I, I just, my eyes roll back in my head so hard that they like come back up the other side. Every time I read like an article and anything and it's like, yeah, I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of like Lightning Hopkins, and like <laughs> Slim McGillicuddy. And it's like, you liked Dave Matthews band. Just say it. Uh, and I, and, and I, I like, I think two things are true at the same time. I think people do that. I, I like no doubt like everybody is like reaching for interesting takes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they want to be like, I'm, right. I'm, I'm so right. artistic. Right. And I think it's possible that there are a lot of artists that just like 
yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But I just always want to, it just always makes me chuckle inside because it's like, it feels the same as if someone was like, what's in your fridge? And it's just like, just, it's like. Not a curated meat. It's like butter that we import from France only. And it's like, you know, we're part of a farmer co-op and it's like just whatever's in season. And it's like, no, that's not true. Like it's, I mean, it's, it can be kind of true, but like you also eat Jif peanut butter. That's you right. just do. And so I, it always cracks me up because I want so badly for someone to just like, just answer that it's totally plainly mm. and and you can give a couple interesting ones but be like but also man like i listen to a lot of john mayer yeah because yeah. i feel like you can't say that everyone's like yeah. oh, oh you should really have been like a disciple of like leonard cohen only yeah yeah just yeah, like, yeah yeah i i wasn't i did like yeah. these things that were kind of cool but yeah. it just cracked me up yeah that that it kind of breaks my heart because i feel like I need to do a five hot takes on Dave Matthews band, but, but to me, it breaks my heart because people who really deserve props, you know, people that that like, I mean, Dave Matthews to me is, is if there is no other proof that he is irreplaceable than this, that no one has ever done it again, because let me tell you the, the capitalist music world that we live in, if they can replicate it, They will replicate it. And that dude has been way too successful for the market not to try to figure that out, but they can't because he's a, he's a unicorn. Right. And I think too, I don't, I don't know exactly what all of the, uh, I don't know what the variables all are, but somehow some, because I feel like maybe stuff just gets too big and then it's like not Mm -hmm. cool anymore. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to me. Like literally what I think it is, is uh, it's like too, it's too palatable. And if you mm. get into anything, the palatable stuff is pushed aside. Like yeah. I'm not into wine, yeah. but like, I, I feel like the people that are into wine begin to kind of like look down. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's like pretty obvious. Like, no, it's like <laughs> sweet and delicious if you're into that. And it's like, I'm always like, yeah, most people are into delicious things. Uh, or like, I mean, like if, you know, I mean, drums, for example, it's like drummers start out playing like whatever. And then it's like, ah, uh, do you guys have like the 32 inch, like earth dark symbols that sound like ironing earth boards? Dark. But you know what I mean? It's like, you, like everything gets away from immediacy and gets more yeah. into like, kind of like earthy dark. Yeah. Like, it's like that in everything. Yeah. Uh, and so I think like maybe some something that's immediately palatable, people that get into it, it's like, well, we can't really like that because then just yeah. like anybody's an expert. So yeah. like we got to get into like a little bit weirder stuff. Yeah. So Dave Matthews was just like a little too palatable, a little too many like UVA frat guys liked him. And it's like, that's not, that's not cool. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I, the, the, the better question would probably be like, what, you know, what are the bands that you wouldn't be playing music if you didn't listen to them? You know totally. Because I, mean? I do think, you know, like with you and me, I actually thought about this today, literally this morning, three hours ago, I was thinking how fascinating it is that we all, all of our tastes change. And I don't think you abandon things you like. Like I still totally. wear out Stevie Wonder. I wear out the Beatles. Um, Lightning Hopkins. Lightning Hopkins. No uh, knock on that. Yeah. Lightning. Sweet. Chillicuddy Jones. I mean, I loved his, you know, he didn't have any arms, but the, um, but but you know it does evolve, especially musicians, because you're always yep. looking for new information to get inspired by. Totally. But I think the problem is what happens is you answer the question of what you literally just listened to because you're right. like, yeah, I'm really into you know, or or what your current tastes would like retroactively like. Because I agree, like yeah. I 
I listened to, um, I actually played a show at Luther College, which is where Dave yes, Matthews and Tim yes. Reynolds recorded that, excuse me, that uh, live record that when I was, yeah, whatever, 16, like I wore out. Yes. And it was interesting to go back and listen to it because I, I really liked it, but it, I appreciate music based on different criteria now. That's well said. Well said. And it's more like, wow, this yeah. is like very vibe based. Yeah. But like, I don't even know what this is about. Yeah. And like, so I get it. Like, I, I get that it's not like, yeah, like you're still listening to whatever Jason Mraz every day. Right. But like, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a better way to put it. What bands would you, uh, and I think honestly, I just, I just wish people would like, if they're doing the refrigerator tour, like show me the like co-op thing where you got mm-hmm. the radishes cause they're in season and that you're going to try to make a dish with that. But then also just like, what do you actually eat? It's like, yeah, yeah some, sometimes I heat a bag of waffles. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, that's more informative to me than like the aspirational, like it's this weird brand of coconut milk. Like you don't really know about. It's just like, cool, 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 cool. So we're, it's, it's 8 PM and you haven't eaten dinner. What are you making? It's what like, I'm, I'm making uh mac and cheese. It's like, or whatever. I don't know what it is. Maybe yeah, you're like, I'm yeah. making hummus. That's fine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay. So I'm going to ask one more B question. When we get to our fifth hot take and in this thing. One of the things that I've always really been fascinated, you know, I've meant to ask you this for years and it's fun to get to ask you this now sort of formally. Mm. Um, so much of your music has a nostalgic bend, you know, that there's a, there's a very, um, looking back and, and even more than that. And this is what I think is especially fascinating um, about some, so many of your songs is there's a real missing of the way things were. There's mm-hmm. a real kind of like, um, and it's not law. Lo- it, maybe it is, you can speak to this loss of innocence or anything tragic, but there's just this very real palatable sort of like, um, r- I remember that and it was so great. And, and that's something I think about a lot, you know, w- what is that about? Like, what, what is that? Is that an exorcism of something in you? Is that I something that, you know, honest answer? I don't, I don't really know. Hmm. Um, I think maybe I'm drawn to that because there's like a pool of existing like things to tap into emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm really not ever like, I'm not approaching it. Like, what can I write a song about? That's going to really get people, but it's almost like, uh, some of the nostalgia, I guess, is you realize that like, like when I saw Stranger Things, hmm. so much of that really resonated with me. But what's hmm. interesting is I was probably too young to actually have that be true nostalgia. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's absolutely. Like I wasn't, I don't know if that's supposed to be like, supposed to feel like like 1984 or something. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. But it's almost like uh, you like have an amalgamation of like, things and experiences, but then also like collective, like consciousness almost. And some of it might just be like that. That's a big pool. And like, that's easy to tap into or is something that I tap into often. Mm. I don't think it's really like, man, I miss my childhood or something. Yeah. 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 But it's just more like, you know, nostalgia, I'm just drawn to like even like the visual aspect of what I do, which I'm not a graphic designer, but like as I'm shaping that and as I'm like giving direction or being like, I want it to look like this. I don't know what that is, but it's almost like, I just like that aesthetic Yeah, where like more than 
I want to make it look like super crisp and whatever. It's like, what if we made this look like an old movie poster? And it's like, mm. do you love old movie posters? It's like, I don't think I do. I just <laughs> like that. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know what that is. And I don't, it's not like a conscious thing, but I think maybe it's just like, if you're writing songs, you know, you're trying to tap into something that feels like something. Mm. And for whatever reason, that just like takes me to a place. I think yeah. the older I get, it's real that like, uh, there are things that I miss about that. Not in a way that like, I truly wish I could go back, but like I miss when life was like mm. a little simpler. Cause I feel yeah. like the older you get, it's just mm. more complicated Yeah, and not even in a bad way. It's just mm. like, Oh, like you realize that people pass away and mm. that like life is hard and whatever. Yeah. When you're 17, you're just like, this is awesome. So there's some of that, but yeah. um, I think probably it's more just like, that's an aesthetic that I like mm. and I don't, I like it like subconsciously, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like anytime I see, like I see like a seventies movie or something, I'm like, this looks so awesome. And I don't know why, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. just like, those clothes are awesome. I don't even like clothes that much. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I tell you resonates with me with it. And this is a very nuanced resonance, but I think the thing that always really thumps me about those songs of yours is there is this weird thing in me that it's like, success um, has this way of flipping some paradigms and Lord knows I'm not like, um, you know, Billy Joel or, you know, but, but, you know, I think for me not planning on certain things happening and then they happen, there's this real, like, I don't really know what to do with all of this information because mm -hmm. it wasn't something I'm, it wasn't something I meant to do. Mm -hmm. I'm super thankful it happened. And yes, I've worked really hard, but, um, and so nostalgia for me can be this thing where I'm like, I just remember back when everything seemed to make a little more sense. Totally. Oh, dude, totally. And I'm, I think, I, 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 that's, that's probably an astute observation where like, maybe some of it is that like a lot of the stuff is, maybe a lot of what I write about is like a little more conversational and like honest. And as my life has changed to be a little weirder, there's less like common ground for me to tap into. Yeah. Like I can't write. Yep. I can't write as much about like, you know, everything that's so normal when it's just like, <laughs> this isn't totally normal. And the right. thing, I, my life is normal, but like my job is not. Right. Anymore. Right. Like exactly. I, can't, I can't write about like, I'm working the, <laughs> well, I don't know. Like it, yeah. maybe some of it's that. 80 hours a week and never right. get to see my kids. And yeah. Except I, still 80 hours a week a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I, I, that always resonates with me. And I've always, I've always thought, I wonder if that's something been, cause I know I can feel that way. Um, this again, just sort of like the things that I didn't, cause I have a lot of friends that meant to be huge stars and I'm not mm -hmm. saying I am, but they deal with it in different ways than, I do because part of me, whatever success I've had, I never really meant for it to happen. Yep. And so there's times I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. I have yeah. no space in my brain for knowing how to compute all of this stuff. Like someone that was like, no, dude, I like, I had a vocal coach and I was seven, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was like doing private lessons, you know? And, and so, yes, I'm up here rocking the mic. Cause this is what I, you know, right. this was, you're going to deal with that differently, but, um, okay. So last, uh, last hot take, hot take Cinco. Hot take five. This is another, uh, specific take. Um, and this is people may have tuned out by now, but, uh, <laughs> I funny. think in the current way that records are made, mastering is, I'm not going to say obsolete, 
but I think it is overrated and I am done with it. Yeah. I think it's so silly. And I feel like back when people were like at the tracking session and like mixed it on that board and they were like, let's send this somewhere to like shine it up a bit. It needed shining. And now like every mix that I listen to is already mastered. Yeah. And then it's like, what if we sent this to another person to do it yeah. a little differently? I'm just like, let's not do that. Yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. send it straight to Spotify who is going to remaster. Yeah. Not actually, but like, for all intents and purposes, yep. remaster it, and who knows what it'll sound like. Yeah, t- so so tell the people about that because I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Mastering to me is still a little bit like the Trinity. Like I okay. know it happens, I'll um, hear it. But uh, for, the, for the people out you, there, do you want me to like actually explain it? Explain it. Just kind of get like you know give the uh, give the uh, give the let's assume the average age is you know or in in, in intellect about music is like a 15 year old. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> when you record songs you record a lot of individual tracks. Each of those things is a very specific uh, instrument. Like one track could be just the kick drum and one track is like the lead vocal and one track is like a guitar that's playing. You take all those tracks. Some of some songs have a ton of tracks, like a hundred something tracks, but let's say your song has 90 tracks for like the snare drum, the kick drum, the bass, the whatever else you send that to someone to mix it. He takes or she takes the 90 tracks and they treat them each individually, pretend it's like Instagram filters. They're putting on Instagram filters onto each track. Oh man, like this kick drum needs to be more of the Nashville Instagram filter and bring out some of the whatever colors. They do that to everything. They take those 90 tracks, they filter them all, they, they mess with them all, they place them correctly, they turn them up loud enough to where it sounds good. And then they send it to someone who's called a mastering engineer. So you take those 90 tracks and you condense them into two tracks, just right and left. So if you're listening to headphones, you'd be listening to a stereo mix. What's coming out of your right headphone is the right track, left headphones, the left track. The mastering engineer takes all that careful, hard work that's been done. And then he puts a different Instagram filter on those two tracks. The issue with this is that the mix engineer has already done that. So like at the, at the point in the process in between mixing and mastering, the mix engineer is sending you the artist and your label and team and whoever mixes and you're listening to just the left and the right of it. But to make it sound good, they are putting processing on it. That is the same thing that mastering people do to make it loud because loud things sound better. That's science. That's not like a hot take. It's true. So basically to make it sound like, Hey, this is kind of what it's going to sound like when it's out in the world. They put essentially mastering on the mixes. So the problem is you get everything to where you want it just right. You've got it filtered perfectly. Like you're literally like, let's turn the brightness up like 0.8 on the picture and let's turn the saturation down like 0.3. You get it perfect. And then you send it to someone else and they just like do something else to it. Mm. And then it a lot of times gets worse or is not as good or there's problems with it. And the thing is, is I feel like at this point people are doing it because they like, people have done it. So we need to do it. And I feel like for the way people are listening to music now, the last two projects I've done, I've just been like, can we please just send this in? Yeah. And there's way above my pay grade things called luffs and actual like technical things that the mastering people are doing that both mix engineers are like, look, dude, like I don't feel real comfortable with that. Cause some of this has to do with like data stuff that like, I don't know if we can do that. But, um, 
the last couple of times I've been like, can we just please just like not get this mastered because like we don't need to, we need to get mastered for like the vinyl or whatever. Cause that's a whole other process. But, um, yeah, I just, I've had, uh, good people work on it and have realized that it's just like, I just miss the way it sounded and I don't want to go back to the drawing board and have somebody be like, what if I have like really changed this a lot? I'm like, please don't. <laughs> and, and the mastering people on the last few things have been like, man, pretty hard to beat those heated mixes heated mixes being like the mixes that have been turned up essentially mastered it's really tough to beat those and i want to be like then don't beat them <laughs> just don't mess with it and yeah. to be fair there's also sometimes in mastering it comes back magically a little different and mm -hmm. better and wider and taller mm -hmm. and sparklier and that's mm -hmm. awesome but i'd say that's like half the time at best yeah. and the other half the time it's like Ooh, this is a little weird. So yeah. that's, that's my I, last hot take. And you know, you're, you're, Ben, you make a great point and something that'll help people understand is another really, really simple way I've heard someone explain mastering, which which will help is if you take all these recordings um, on an album, you never want to have to move your volume knob. You just want to hit yep. play and then you listen to the whole thing. And a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll do a song and you'll realize like before it's mastered, like, wow, that song is just a lot. So if I've got my volume knob set to whatever, wow, I have to turn it down for that second time. I have to turn it up for the fourth. And so they want right. to make it sound like it was all recorded, I heard someone say, in one night at one time. So, yep. so that, that's totally. kind of... But, but the thing that is interesting about it is I do think that's changing as... Um, you know, I, I, my record chasing Mississippi, I'll never forget. Cause it's still, it's still such a weird thing to understand. But I remember we sent that to a guy named Bob Ludwig, who is like the OG of mastering this guy mastered. He's a master of the universe, but he, you know, he's he, done. He, he mastered one of my records. It, yes. And I remember getting that record back and thinking, this sounds amazing. I yeah. don't know what he, Ed and I were freaking out because it was like, you know, so, so, so you know, but that was a bunch of live instruments, you and, know. And, and I think, I think, I think the, the difficulty is like, I don't have a problem with mastering. I think that a lot of times it's a necessary step. The problem is all the mixers to make sure their mixes get used are turning them in so loud and Super polished loud. Yep. that there's nothing a mastering guy can do to it. Yep. And I think yep. probably even, even then, like even like chasing Mississippi era, probably the mixes were quieter. Like probably, oh, they they probably were. the mix guys weren't like, yeah. I know if you don't like this, you're going to get somebody else to mix it. So this thing is going to be coming in just screaming yeah. hot. So now the mastering guys get the stuff. That's and I right. feel like they're really like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. This is like, yeah, it's peel the paint off the walls loud. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed, Ed mixed that. So it was coming right off his board straight to Bob. So it was like, here you go. You know, it wasn't like, right. And, 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 and he probably had a ton of room to do what yeah. he does best. And yeah. now I feel like the weird thing about mastering is like, we're just not really giving people room. Cause it's yeah. like, yeah, this is as loud as we can make That's it. Right. Uh, ben, you're a legend. Thanks so much for being on uh, five hot takes. Thanks for having me. I really, really oh, hopefully they weren't too hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have some burns, yeah. but it was worth it. Days five hot takes, yeah. yeah.